0: Thanks for tuning in to the Glossy Beauty Podcast. I'm your host, Priya Rao, and here with me today is Isamea French, the founder of her namesake beauty brand, Isamea. Hi, Isamea. How are you today?
1: Hi, Priya. I'm good,
0: thank you. How are you? Good. Um, you're in London today, right? I am. Rainy London. It's been so foggy and dense here, but I have to say there's been so much excitement in London. You know, the Queen, Charles, now the Prime Minister. It's wild. How's, what's Hello the sentiment there?
1: i think you know in english people just get on with it i mean <laughs> what else can you do at this point there's definitely been a lot a lot going on um the queen's passing was a huge momentous sort of occasion really um and now yeah we have an, a new prime minister in the matter of about of like you know a couple weeks or months or something so it's I think everything's just a bit in flux and people are just trying to hang in there.
0: Yeah, I can imagine. Lots of change all over the world, but especially there. Um, yeah. Isamaya, I mean, I think people are such fans of you and, and know a lot about you, but I'd like you to take us back. How did you first find your love for beauty? Like what was your first memory of either doing makeup or watching someone else do it um, when you
1: were a child? Well, my, actually my, um, I, there wasn't a lot of beauty or glamour growing up in my household at home. my uh, my family are pretty much all engineers apart from my mum who is um she's actually a very creative person, but she works in language in language. Um, and so I think I think you know having a background that was very, you know, engineers at the end of the day kind of solve problems. They're sort of, they're creative thinkers, but in a very different way. And I think growing up in that environment probably gave me my own spin on the way I work with makeup as a a tool, but also maybe kind of conceptually as well. Um, And my first real, I mean, I was obsessed with dressing up and I went to a musical theatre school from a very young age. So I was definitely around a lot of kind of, uh, I re- I remember sneaking into my parents' bedroom and watching Cabaret when I was about seven years old, and I would just sit there in the dark looking at Liza Minnelli and watching, you know, those really kind of early films on videotape and being completely, you know, in my own world. So I was genuinely drawn to that kind of theatrical makeup, world. Um, but I didn't really maybe get to explore it until I was in my twenties officially. And it's funny because maybe the first instance that I can remember of being uh being very sort of taken with the idea of makeup was when I came a- across Kevin O'Quan's book Making Faces when I was about seven years old. <laughs> and I was in a bookshop with my mum and I can't remember, but I picked, you know, I picked it up and I re- she bought it for me because I insisted that, you know, this is the most exciting thing I'd ever seen. This sort of actually very adult book. <laughs> um, but I just remember feeling just, I you know, I even can like recount the sensation of just being so excited about the fact that you could transform yourself. Into a very glamorous-looking person because again, you know, I was I was in a household of engineers and a very kind of masculine environment, and there was this book that was kind of showing me uh, that you could turn a very boring-looking person into uh, into Cher or like into Madonna or into you know Marlon Dietrich or you know one of these kind of superstars of their time. Um, And I guess that probably stayed with me for a very, very long time. The power of that transformative tool. It was like dreaming, you know, I was like, oh, I could be that as well. I could do that. So I think that was my first real beauty
0: encounter. So many people have told me that book has changed their lives. And I mean, it's an incredible book. It's one that lasts like the test Mm. of time. It really is like the Bible in so many ways. But Isamaya, you also studied like performance art and you were in a performance group. So I feel like, you know, your take on makeup, obviously you mentioned it was theatrical and you loved the tutorial aspect of Kevin, but was it so much driven about, driven from rather, you know, your experiences of, you know, mixing those two things together?
1: Yeah. Well, my first kind of official job as a makeup artist was through uh, connections based Around this performance uh, or this theatre company that I was with, when I um, when I left home, I'd been a dancer for like many years, and I continued uh, dancing professionally in some capacity because I obviously I joined a theatre company in my early twenties, and so I think my first sort of encounter with. I was was doing sort of face paint and and that kind of thing on the side to pay my way through university. And somebody from the performance company said, oh, you know, our friend's doing a shoot and they need a body painter. Can you go and do it? Cause we know that you can do that kind of thing. Um, And I was like, yeah, sure. And took all my, you know, my paints and stuff along. And it turned out that it was actually for ID magazine, which I'd never heard of and I shot Alex wet, who was like model sensation. Um, But I was totally oblivious to all of that. I was just like, oh, it's just me doing my thing, uh, you know, in this funny studio. But that was that was the first kind of paid instant that I had as a real professional makeup artist, but I didn't know it. When did you realize that it could actually be a career? Because,
0: I mean, body painting is one thing, but the things that you were doing today and obviously with your own brand is
1: another It was on that shoot, actually, because I was hired to do a very specific thing. I was using clay and I was using mixed media and I was kind of turning these models into um, kind of demigods. And it was all very creative. But there was another and I forget who it was, actually, but there was another makeup artist on set who was kind of had been booked to do the beauty. Because I guess I was a wild card and (laughs) didn't know the first thing about foundation back then. Um, and I just remember there was this moment and i've I've mentioned it a few times in interviews where I was like washing up my really dirty grubby brushes in the sink with washing up liquid and I and you know big sort of big paint brushes and sponges and all this grimy stuff, and I looked over at this makeup artist who was sat there with all of her beautiful kit laid out, looking very clean and, da, da, da. and I was like hold on a sec why am I not doing that job <laughs> I should be doing that job as well you know I want a kit that looks like that I should just do it too so I that day it was that day that I kind of thought well maybe I will give this a go and I, I'll i I'll uh you know I took myself to like a high street store in the UK it's called boot
0: mm-hmm.
1: you know it's a bit like your CVS um uh, bought a kit. (laughs) So I bought loads of really cheap foundations, probably stole a couple of makeup items off my older sister because I didn't really own much myself. And I was just like, okay, well, this is what I'm going to do now. (laughs) And it began.
0: After that ID job, did you find it easy to either book more jobs with them or with other publications? Or how did you kind of start going about it? Do you remember?
1: Well, the next kind of big things that I I was doing after um, the ID job was working back working for shows so I was booked uh, again as a as a painter a face painter body painter um, on a Christopher Shannon shows a menswear designer from London and I painted these kind of landscapes across uh, these models faces um, and at the show I met up with some other makeup artists who were kind of one of them in particular, Adam de Cruz, sort of said, Oh, um, I really, you know, I love what you're doing. You, you teach me and I'll teach you. So then I, I kind of met up with Adam a couple of times and uh, went on a couple of his shoots and kind of looked at makeup and he kind of ta- taught me the very basics of foundation and how you apply things, you know, properly. And I taught him some, uh, techniques from my skill set and the body painting and the face painting and the whatever else um and and then after that after I'd done a few kind of you know face painting jobs I think magazines started booking me because they were really curious about my style so I did a couple of other shoots with ID magazine and I did some um very soon after that I I got an agent my first agent Desiree Brooks at an agency called Saint Luke and I only got that job because she asked me to do her Halloween makeup <laughs> and so I went around to her house and I did this like face paint solar system on her face and she was just so like what the what the f is going on with this makeup artist I've got to like help I've got you know she has something here that I haven't seen before and she was like I want to represent you I think you could do some interesting things and I was like sure (laughs) so it's quite serendipitous really you know I went around to do some Halloween face painting for fun um and she signed me and that's amazing like that's a I think you know looking it's so hard to get an agent these days that I feel incredibly grateful to her for trusting that maybe we could go somewhere
0: together. Yeah. It does sound very serendipitous and, you know, very happenstance, but you have an incredible resume, Isamaya. You know, obviously all the things that you've done at the various magazines and on shoots, but, you know, I feel like every cool makeup brand and in part of their lifetime, whether it was YSL Beauty or or Christian Louboutin or even now your own, you know, everybody's hired you. So, I mean, what do you think that says about your work? Because I would say like you're not, may not be as traditional as some of the other makeup artists who work for brands, but it seems like you really were well-desired and well-loved by these luxury beauty brands.
1: Oh, that's so kind. I mean, I've been incredibly lucky that I've, you know, had some great relationships with different beauty brands over the years. And I think as I've grown as an artist, so has my creative role at various brands grown too. you know, when I started at YSL, I was an ambassador. So that basically meant that I was uh, an associate and would create creative content for them using their products. And I think a lot of brands, especially commercial big brands, like to partner with Real kind of artisty types, because it's often very hard for them to explore creative things, uh, because their brand has so many kind of um, constraints and 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 boundaries and specific languages. So by hiring somebody and having an affiliation, it means you can live vicariously through us, basically as a brand. <laughs> you know. And I think that's what YSL initially did. I made some really fun content for them and for their beauty platforms. <clears throat> and then um, after YSL, I, uh, I went to Tom Ford and that's when I began to develop makeup. So I launched the Tom Ford Extreme Collection, which was this kind of vibrant, very colorful, very exciting uh, You know, part of the Tom Ford beauty brand. And you know, made content for them as well. And I think after that, I that's when the ball really started rolling. And brands would hire me to develop their makeup, and ultimately develop their packaging, and then ultimately develop their, you know, uh, social media strategies. And ultimately, and so just my kind of the way that I work began to expand with every new role that I took on. And I have to, you know you know thank mac makeup actually because they throughout all of this really supported me um and i did a huge number of campaigns and very creative campaigns for mac back in the day um and i know mac don't have sort of uh traditional makeup creative directors or ambassadors but i really felt like they took me in and I had a really, an amazing kind of experience uh, with MAC Cosmetics earlier in my career.
0: That sounds like an incredible education, honestly. You know, you were at so many different brands, you know, as an ambassador, figuring out their packaging, figuring out their social media. I mean, did you at the time realize that
1: you were connecting all these dots to create your own brand? No, never. And I don't ever think I planned to do my own brand, not until very, very recently. Um... Probably because I was very happy doing it for other people. And especially my last big creative job was was the creative direction and a consultant fee for Byredo Cosmetics, which I launched, you know, a few years ago. And that was so consuming because that was like, I guess as chefs would say, like nose to tail eating or whatever it is. <laughs> Farm to table eating. You know, I literally did everything from working on packaging and textures and material all the way up to yeah digital strategies marketing campaigns retouching video editing I mean you know it's a vast vast amount of work and it was an amazing education really and I think um, that was sort of that was the penultimate thing for me in that Capacity. And then I sort of thought, well, maybe, maybe there are some things here that I would like to do for myself that brands wouldn't let me because they have their own language, you know? So, what were those things that you wanted to communicate and share? Well, I think obviously I have my own personal taste and style. And Byredo is a gorgeous brand, and Burberry also gorgeous. But they, you know, when you're, it's always a collaboration. So when I'm working for them, when I'm thinking about creative content, it should always fit within the brand um, package and the brand language. That's why I'm hired to do that. Um, And I think with my brand, I can just do whatever the hell I want. (laughs) And it's really nice because it's sort of that I am the client now. (laughs) sometimes it's quite I have to remind myself that you know I'm like I'll ask one of my social media team like can I post this and they're like it's your brand
0: <laughs> Tell <laughs> which me, is really good fun tell me a little bit about the aesthetic or the style because I mean you said a few minutes ago you know your style is very different than what Burberry or YSL may have wanted but when you were thinking about And dreaming about a campaign and a brand that was all your own, what was it? Because there's a lot, a lot out there right now. I'm sure we can talk more and more about that, you know, whether it's celebrity brands or makeup artist brands or influencer brands or just brands. So, Mm. what was
1: distinct in your mind? Yeah. Well, I think one thing that felt crucial was to have the brand really reflect not just who I am right now, but where I'm going and I think one of the hardest things for me to define when I was thinking about my brand and its messaging and its packaging was what would I like my brand to look like in 10 years like because you know design has to stand the test of time things become iconic and things become associated to um to the uh you know the packaging should feel um what's the word well I guess iconic is the right word isn't it um you should look at see a Tom Ford eyeshadow compact and go yes I know that's Tom Ford Mm -hmm. um but I I couldn't do it and I think because I work in so many different areas of makeup and I do shows and I also do music and I also do um, a whole host of other creative things and I'm still that's what I love about the job that's what keeps me going is Constantly changing. That's why fashion is so amazing because it's seasonal. I said, I have to take that fashion model and make my brand exactly that. I have to do capsule collections. I have to keep switching up the design. I have to release limited editions. I want to do collaborations. I'm not ready yet to have something that's sitting on the shelf for 10 years. Um, And so for me, the whole point was to have this really exciting very exploratory, very kind of organic uh, approach to makeup and beauty creation that moves with the time because it felt really reductive to just do another thing like everybody else has been doing and, you know, just create more packaging. If I'm going to do it, I want to, you know, have a a long-term view towards sustainability. I want to offer people more From their packaging, you know, one of the things that I like to do with, with my brand is have, is, is give, uh, give items a second life. So, you know, for example, the collection that I'm about to launch, when you finished with the eyeshadow, you can take out the insert and it becomes a jewelry box. And so for me, things like that are very important in creating a new approach to beauty
0: and makeup. Talk to me a little bit more about the packaging because I cannot get over. I mean, it's gorgeous, it's beautiful, but some (laughs) some of the pieces, like the mascara, has an earring on it. What was that about?
1: Well, it's it's funny because I look at this, I look at the you know the industrial collection, and I'm like, wow, it's so simple. And I don't know if you've yet seen the collection that I'm about to drop, um, which is incredibly ornate and it's gold and it's kind of a bit gaudy, but with the industrial. You know, one of the and with makeup in general, I think anything you're trying to sell to a lot of people, or you'd like a lot of people to respond well to is finding that balance of exciting, but not so over the top and ridiculous that people don't want to have it. And so I think something like especially with the industrial collection, which, you know, was heavily influenced by the punk aesthetic and BDSM subcultures and, you know, fetishism to some degree. And that isn't for everybody. Uh, it's maybe an acquired taste or it's just a personal taste. And so it was important for me that I could find something that could still reference from those worlds, but would be digestible for the mainstream public. And everybody loves a big prone piercing. I mean, it's iconic. We all get it. We all understand it. And we can all find that ref- our own personal reference point for that thing. So just rubber with a bloody great piercing in it just made a lot of kind of practical sense to me. When you launched the line in June, which you just did, um, what
0: was the initial reaction? Because I mean I feel like I know beauty fans and editors and people in the online community were going wild. But you know, as a as a founder, you're also <laughs> being tasked with looking sales figures, looking at engagement, oh, KPIs yeah. like what
1: what were you seeing across the board? you know, honestly, I still don't know. I'm still so in my work bubble. I don't know how people are feeling about it or reacting to it. I know from my personal friendships and, uh, you know, people I work with in the industry that I work with one-on-one and say, oh, I love your brand and I love what you're doing. You know, that I find really touching. But on a wider scale, um, I think it's that thing when when it's when you're so ingrained and engrossed into a big project. And like you say, I'm not just making content. I'm, I'm looking at like strategies and I'm looking at, like you say, distribution numbers and figures and doing budgets and all the rest of it. Um, it's often very hard to step back and go, so how did we do? Cause you're so in the mindset of, uh, you know, keeping that train moving. Um But I think what's been really amazing is and, you know, what's so wonderful about social media for all its sins is being able to see people making content and doing beauty looks, you know. And I don't mean paid collaborators. I just mean people that have bought the products and love it. For me, that's just so wonderful to see someone on the other side of the world doing that and connecting with what I've, you know, and my team has Um, built so I think I think it's been well received you
0: tell me I think it's been well received I I absolutely (laughs) think that but Isamaya I have to ask in terms of the first drop you know there are things obviously that I think could be called hero products like the primer or um, the brow gel like these are things that you could use forever Mm. right But then there's really exciting pigments and colors and the palette and it doesn't feel like a regular beauty palette. Were you thinking about that? Were you thinking about like, what are the heroes or the pops or did you want it all to just be, you know, exciting and people would want to buy it over and over again?
1: Well, when I think of a concept, when I have a kind of a a vision for the next collection, I, I do tend to think of a face. Of a character. And so when I uh, was looking at references for the industrial collection, I kind of had to think to myself, what are the core components of creating that hard look, that punk look, that, you know, maybe BDSM leather look, somebody in a club in Bergheim, what would they wear? Um, And so, you know, the industrial palette was a no brainer because. I mean all of those colors tell a wonderful story and help to kind of animate the the project and the theme but Rubber Lash made so much sense to me because I could imagine this person from this character in this world wanting these like seriously long rubber coated latches that were super extreme and kind of curled them and then I wanted her to have or him to have, you know, the a lip gloss. But how do I do an edgy lip gloss? I know I'll just shove a load of black into it because I've never seen I've never seen like a sparkly gray black lip gloss before. Um, and then the same, you know, then the same with the brow gel. You know, how do I give people 24 hours of laminated, spiky brows? So that's kind of how my process works is I think about the character and what they might be wearing and then I go to um then I go to the factories and I start to brief the teams on the kinds of products that I want to incorporate into the collection so what
0: can you tell us about this next one coming out so this was like the core things that you need to achieve that punk
1: BDSM look what's the next one all about so the next collection I'm launching is called the wild star collection and it's a kind of sticky texan dive bar with a lot of glamour (laughs) infused with glamour so the idea was that you'd have this cowgirl and she would be this kind of she'd be working in the bar and she'd live and breathe that kind of rodeo lifestyle with all these kind of wild west cowboys around her but she is this kind of diamond she's the diamond in the rough um and i think there has to with everything that I do, you know the the packaging says one thing, but then the hero campaign really tells the rest of the story. Um, and so, when I was thinking about her, I was kind of imagining these kind of like hot and nights. And when I was thinking about the palette, I would I would you know image research, film research. There's a lot of neon colors in you know neon lights in in dive bars. Um, and there are these kind of lovely sort of leather textures. And I basically would just kind of in my brain, walk around that room or walk around that environment and pick things from it. And that's where I get the inspiration for the colors in the palette. And then, for the lipsticks, I wanted to create uh, that we have three shades and three lip corresponding lip liners, something that was kind of a take on your usual brownie tone lip. How do we glamorize browns? Well, you add like gold shimmering pearl to it. So now you've got this really kind of, it's all rooted in these kind of tonal colors, but you have that infused glamour into the rest of the product. So that's kind of how I tackled the uh, the Star collection. And is the idea to create
0: like this kind of like perfect curated like idea each, every couple of months, like that you want to create this kind of personality and world for the people who buy your
1: products? Totally. I love it. That's the best thing about it. You know, for me, I have all of these creative expressions that I that need to come out of me. <laughs> and so in doing that, I, you know, yeah, I love to create worlds and I love for them to be highly stylized and to have everything from the font to the color scheme to the way it's presented on the platforms to be really coherent so that people can literally step into a world and feel inspired. You've done some pretty wild things like on clients and
0: on the runways, Isamea. like whether it was like <laughs> Legos or lizards on people's skin, you know, do you think that you'll ever bring something like that out there to this brand?
1: I think there is, you know, hopefully time for everything. Um, I guess that's one of the greatest challenges doing a brand is you have to wait like a year or more sometimes from concept to final creation so you know it's such a different way of working the wild star collection was you know developed two years ago in my in my mind um, and so you really have to one of the beautiful things about having a brand and I think the way that I'm doing it is I get to really explore every avenue for every creative collection you know I've had you know four months of working on industrial and creating loads of content around that theme and now I'm moving into wild star and I can really get stuck into a whole different approach to beauty and and makeup and then we'll do another launch early next year of something else which I'm very excited about and again it's just you know it, it's all fast, but it makes you kind of take a step back and really indulge in the project.
0: How are you balancing all of this with all of your other interests? Because obviously you still have so much inspiration and love for what's on the runway and with other brands, Like, but you're a founder now. This is like your full, full-time job, but you still have other um, jobs and roles that you participate in.
1: I do. I mean, fashion week, fashion week, you just got to make time for it. But actually, it's been great because this past Fashion Week, uh, the brand sponsored quite a number of shows. So it was a really good way to integrate, you know, what I'm doing at the brand um, and make it all, you know, come alive and collaborate with designers and stuff. And then I think, you know, I, I I love doing my brand, but I think I get so, the brand gets so much more from me doing other projects as well. You know the more I do, the more I diversify, the more I collaborate with people, all of that will go back in one way or another into the into the brand. you know, so for me, it's really important about keeping things you know open, doing doing a music project, doing a film project, doing something else because ultimately it's all creative inspiration that will take you somewhere new.
0: Is that how you feel about celebrity clients as well? Because you've had some major ones.
1: Yeah, I honestly, I think, you know, for me, I just, I would, I'd I'd be bored if I was just doing the same thing over and over, whether that was like prosthetics or whether that was red carpet or whether that was just, uh, you know, product development or design. For me, it's about dipping in and out of lots of different things regularly. And I loved working with um celebrities you know it's really nice to do a a makeup look and then see that come to life on a red carpet (laughs) you know did you ever have a favorite client or do you have a favorite client right now or look my hat is always going to be taken off to share Uh I mean she is just one of the most one of the kindest just wonderful person (laughs) and i'm i'm so lucky that i've had a, a number of opportunities to work with her as well because she really is like and and also madonna you know the pair of them are are total icons and it's such a pleasure working working with them and they're both really just amazing people to be around um so i think yeah they would be two of my real favorites yeah
0: where do you see the brand going in terms of longevity? I know you mentioned a second ago that you want this brand, you're thinking about where this brand is going to be in 10 years or 20 years. You mm. know, you also have really struck to D2C right now. Are you thinking about brick and mortar? Are you thinking about retail? Are you are you really ready to chart your own path when it comes to what you want to do with this brand?
1: Well, brick and mortar is a hard one because we have um obviously we have retail, you know, physical retail space. I like work self, which is in London, and then we'll be Probably partnering with um with another uh, distributor U.S. side, but um there will come a point, and we're already planning for it, where we will want to develop a core line. I'll want to develop a core line. Um, doesn't mean I'm going to stop doing the collaborations and the other things, but I think at some point, yeah, it would be really nice to have a core line of Isamaya lipsticks or a core line of eyeshadow palettes or like, you know, the heart of the brand. Um, and it will come, but it'll just come when I'm ready, I think. You know, I'm having so much fun doing all of these collaborations and exploring all these different creative paths. So um I think it's just really important that I respond to the times and what people are responding well to, what people like and not to just push things out there because trend forecasts say that they will or because you know everybody else does it you know that's not what I'm about at all
0: what do you think about the overall landscape right now
1: there's a lot of
0: stuff going on in cosmetics in beauty in digital and in, in social media it seems like everything is feeding off of one another these
1: days well I guess that's you know the good old internet's brought that (laughs) together um what do i think i mean i think we're on a sort of a trajectory which is becoming more and more and more vertical in terms of uh progression and pace and demand and every there's more of everything all the time you know as um it was funny I was shooting a Versace campaign recently and it was amazing because we did like five looks Mm -hmm. um everybody was very chilled out we had five five shots to get the next day we did video there wasn't like you know 50 TikTok and so and um Instagram assets that we had to get there was no BTS yeah it was a real pleasure being at work (laughs) because I feel like every job now is a, is a total um, what's the word is uh, everybody's just chasing content and as a creative person that can be very damning at times because you need to breathe <laughs> every now and again and so it was just funny to be on that shoot and think wow this is what it used to be like um, it's a whole different world and you know now the demand is really really high and i think back to your question about where are we going well at one stage it was still stills content because instagram was the you know the biggest thing and now it's reels and now it's video content for tiktok and it's just more and more and more um and there might be some kind of backlash but i don't think people's appetites will ever be satiated i think we'll always have that desire for stuff yeah
0: do you feel that pressure to always be creating content or you know looking at what the other makeup artist or influencer brand is doing
1: next to you I don't feel I feel pressure to create content but I have to because it's a brand and you know um it makes sense to I don't feel any kind of um pressure or or comparison with anybody else I do appreciate what a lot of other people are doing and how they've done their brands um but I think as a company we're very much in our own space and really enjoying doing things our way and um yeah I think that's that's always kind of
0: been my outlook Thank you so much for being here, Samaya. It was so great having you. Wow, it was lovely speaking to you. That went so quickly. (laughs) I know, right? Well, when you're having fun, right? That's what happens. Exactly. Yeah, it was so nice speaking to you. Thank you so much for listening to the Glossy Beauty Podcast. Tune in next week for another episode. And of course, that means if you haven't subscribed, please hit that button.